0: Welcome to episode two of the Employment Practices Playbook, the short-form podcast that digs deep into issues that are facing employers every single day. For this episode, we will look into the issue of whether a school is considered closed for the purposes of the CARES Act or FFCRA leave. Okay. Okay. The U.S. Department of Labor updated its FAQ and answered a timely question of whether distance or virtual learning renders a school to be closed for the purposes of CARES Act leave. As we know, and as we will discuss later on, employees can take leave in order to care for a child when the school is closed for reasons related to COVID-19. So the question is, Is a school closed when there is virtual learning? Is a school closed when teachers are teaching remotely? The Department of Labor explicitly answered this question with a very clear yes. So, employers out there, your employees may be eligible for leave in order to care for a child when the school is operating in whole or in part virtually. Let's look at the actual FAQ and this is FAQ 70. It reads as follows. My child's school or place of care has moved to online instruction or to another model in which children are expected or required to complete assignments at home. Is it closed? The Department of Labor answered like this, yes. If the physical location where your child received instruction or care is now closed, the school or place of care is quote unquote closed for the purposes of paid sick leave and expanded family and medical leave. This is true if some or all instruction is being provided online or whether through another format such as distance learning, your child is still expected or required to complete assignments. So employers beware. If a school is remote, completely or partially, that school is closed and your employees may be eligible for leave, whether it's paid sick leave or expanded family and medical leave. Let's do a quick refresher of the two types of leave under the FFCRA, the Family First Coronavirus Relief Act. Okay. There are two laws that must be assessed when evaluating leave due due to a school closure, the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act and the Emergency Family Medical Leave Expansion Act. If an employee presents the requisite information, they may be eligible for both types of leave. We will get to that. Let's first look at the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act. Now for the purposes of this podcast, We're going to call this leave paid sick leave. First things first, all employees are eligible for this leave. There is no duration of employment requirement. Unlike FMLA where an employee needs to be employed for a certain amount of time. That is not the case here. Next, the amount of leave paid sick leave for individuals is two weeks. Now, An employee can take this leave for any of the seven reasons outlined in the act. Now this podcast is only going to focus on leave related to a school closure. The statute and the regulations actually read as follows that an individual can take paid sick leave when caring for a son or daughter whose school or place of care is closed for a period of time, whether by order of a state or local official or authority, or at the decision of the individual school or place of care, or the child care provider of such child is unavailable for reasons related to COVID 19. Now, let's take a quick note. This podcast focuses solely on the leave related to a school closure. We're not going to discuss when a place of care is closed or what designates a place of care. Perhaps we'll do another podcast. Now, It's important to remember that an employee may only take this paid sick leave when the care for the child interferes with the employee's ability to perform work, either at the normal workplace or teleworking. So if an employee is able to telework while the child is attending the virtual school, then that employee cannot take paid sick leave. Lastly, the amount of pay for this leave is two thirds the regular rate of pay. This is not full pay for two weeks. It is only two-thirds the regular rate of pay. Okay, let's look at the second type of leave and the second act. It is called the Emergency Family Medical Leave Expansion Act. We are going to refer to leave under this act as Expanded Family Medical Leave. Let's do a quick and dirty background of this. Congress passed the Emergency Family Medical Leave Expansion Act, whereby it reads as follows. The employees can take a total of 12 work weeks of leave during any 12-month period for any reasons outlined in the FMLA and also for a qualifying need related to a public health emergency. So basically, Congress just added another, another reason to take FMLA leave, as long as the need is a qualifying one and it's related to a public health emergency. Spoiler alert, the public health emergency is the coronavirus. All right, so an eligible employee is one who has been employed for at least 30 days by the employer. So employers need to beware. The regulations came out and clarified this. It said that eligible employees include those who were laid off or terminated on or after March 1st of 2020. And it includes those who were rehired or otherwise re-employed by the employer on or before December 31st, 2020. And that employee had to be on the employer's payroll for 30 or more days of the 60 calendar days prior to the date that the employee was laid off or terminated. That's an extremely long sentence, and what does that mean? It basically means if you had to lay, lay your employees off right when the coronavirus hit, sometime on, or on March 1st or after March 1st, and you end up rehiring these individuals on or before the end of the year of 2020, then that employee is eligible to take expanded family medical leave so long as that employee was on the payroll for 30 or more of the 60 calendar days prior to the date that that employee was laid off. So let's do a quick example. If you lay off five employees on March 10th, right in the thick of when this coronavirus was slamming us all, then time goes on, you end up rehiring these people sometime in July, let's say. Those employees are eligible to take this leave come the fall when school goes back but only so long as they were on your payroll for 30 or more of the 60 calendar days prior to the date that you laid them off. If you have any questions about this, I suggest you talk to your lawyer. Okay, qualifying reasons to take this leave. Not surprisingly, because it's the theme of this podcast, an individual may take this expanded family medical leave when they are unable to work or telework due to a need for leave to care for a child under 18 years of age, if the school or place of care has been closed or child care provider of such child is unavailable due to a public health emergency. Newsflash, the public health emergency is COVID-19. Under this act, this is where it gets a little tricky. Under the expanded Family Medical Leave Act, The first 10 days are unpaid. Any days beyond the first 10 days, the employee is eligible to be paid at two-thirds the regular rate of pay. Let's take a hot minute and discuss the interplay between the expanded family medical leave and the FMLA leave. So. Employees are entitled to take a total of 12 weeks of expanded FMLA and regular FMLA leave. In other words, employees can't take 12 weeks of expanded emergency FMLA leave and then 12 weeks of regular FMLA leave. So I can't go and get my knees replaced and be out for 12 weeks and then be out for another 12 weeks under the expanded FMLA leave. doesn't work that way. An individual's ability to take the emergency expanded FMLA leave depends on how much FMLA leave, if any, they have already used during the benefit year. The Department of Labor is explicit that an employee's ability to take emergency FMLA leave depends on their use of the regular FMLA leave during the 12 month period. In other words, If an employee has taken some, but not all of the 12 work weeks under FMLA, then they can take the remaining portion of the 12 weeks for expanded FMLA leave. So if I had an injury and I was out and I took FMLA for four weeks, and then come the fall, I need to take time off due to a school closure. I can't take another 12 weeks. I can only take another eight weeks All right, so here's a scenario. What if you have an employee who is eligible under both emergency FMLA leave and the paid sick leave? What do you do? So here's the thing. An employee who needs to take leave for the care of a child whose place of care or the school is unavailable due to COVID-19 they very well may be eligible to take leave under both paid sick leave and the expanded Family Medical Leave Act. If this is the case, then the paid sick leave and the emergency FMLA leave, they run concurrently. So the first two weeks of leave would be paid under the paid sick leave. Remember, paid sick leave is two weeks at two thirds the regular rate of pay then the remaining 10 weeks, they would be covered under the expanded family medical leave. So it follows that if an employee is eligible for a total of 12 weeks of expanded family medical leave, and they have not used any paid sick leave this fall, then that employee can get a total of 12 weeks at two-thirds their regular rate of pay. Here's the thing that we suggest that Okay, employers, so it's not all that gnarly. In other words, it doesn't have to be 12 weeks continuous leave where your employee is out of the office or MIA. The regulations are clear that employees can take this leave intermittently to care for a child. Now, this can occur only if the employer and the employee agree. It can be taken in any increment of time that is agreed upon by both the employer and the employee. Even more, if the employee is teleworking, then the employer and the employee can agree on hours during the day where that leave is taken. Employees and employers can get creative here and it is encouraged. Okay, let's talk about what kind of notice is needed in order to take this leave. In other words, if your employee just says, my son's school is going virtual, I need to take leave, that's not enough. The regs require that an employee must give notice of need for leave as soon as practicable. But the regulations are clear that notice cannot be required in advance. So your COVID policies and your handbooks cannot say Employees must give five days advance notice of any leave taken under the paid sick leave or for expanded family medical leave. But the employer may require such notice after the first work day for which an employee takes the leave. So in other words, if one of your employee unexpectedly has to miss work due to a school closure, then you can ask that employee the next day for the required documentation. So what do the employees need to produce? When taking the leave due to a school closure, the regulations require that the employee produce the following, their name, the dates that the leave is requested, the name of the school that is closed, oral or written statement that the employee is unable to work because of the school closure, the name of the children or child being cared for, and a representation that no other suitable human being will be caring for the son or daughter during the period for which the employee takes paid sick leave or expanded family medical leave. In the end, employers need to be cognizant of their employees' needs and carefully assess eligibility for such leave that we discussed on a case-by-case basis. Now, the regulations are clear. Any interference, discrimination, or retaliation is expressly prohibited. In other words, employees will have a cause of action and can have a cause of action for an interference with this leave, for discrimination with regard to this leave, or retaliation for even asking for such leave. In the end, and on a personal and human level, we all have to practice empathy and patience with each other as we navigate this school year. Employers and employees must be empathetic to each other as we all try to navigate this time of the pandemic. We are here for you at Off the kerman We are thinking of everybody during this time, and we are here to help in any way that we can. Okay. This podcast is made available by me, the lawyer, Susie Sorilli, and it is published for you, the listener, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law. This podcast is not to provide specific legal advice. There is no attorney-client relationship formed by listening to this podcast. By using and listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and me and you and Offit Kerman. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. Thank you.